Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Would you rather, Ross, would you rather be whole package? Would you rather be Aaron Rodgers, who has all the tools, clearly a Hall of Famer, has that one Super Bowl ring, that one special playoff run, or would you rather be Eli Manning? So this is a real short debate for me. And Mm. it's Eli Manning, and it's not close. And I don't know the reasoning. I don't know what happened. But Aaron Rodgers is estranged from his family. You know, his brother, his mom, dad. I, I, I wouldn't. You couldn't give me all the money in the world to be estranged from my family like that. You know what I mean? Like that. There's not a price you could put on that. I wouldn't want to be Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I'm much rather. I'm much happier being me than Aaron Rodgers. He's made a lot more money. He's a much more famous person, much more famous football player, Hall of Famer. You know what? That's great. That stuff is fleeting and not nearly as important. And I want to be clear here. I'm not laying blame at Aaron. Maybe his, maybe it's his family's fault. Maybe they're crazy. I, I don't know. Maybe they're weird. or uh, I, I don't know what happened there. All I'm saying is I, I wouldn't want to be in that situation. I'd, Eli Manning, very close family, very supportive family, I've spoken with his dad. I've spoken with his brother. I've spoken with both brothers. Uh, Seems like a pretty awesome family. They support him. You know, he's married. He's got some kids. Aaron Rodgers is dating Danica Patrick. I got nothing wrong with Danica Patrick, but uh, I'd, I'd rather be Eli. And maybe that's not what you meant. Maybe you just meant the football part of it. And that's a whole different discussion. But if we're talking the whole package... Mm-hmm. Who would we rather be? I'd, I'd rather be Eli Manning. No, I, I think you nailed the question, which is the whole package. Because as far as football talent, certainly everyone's going to say Aaron Rodgers has him beat seven days a week, 365, in every category imaginable as a quarterback, except perhaps in that leadership department where Aaron Rodgers certainly is, I think, struggling and getting criticized at his due. Um, look, I guess I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers here because I'll admit it's an admission here that I am insecure professionally. I think the same way Aaron Rodgers is, I am more sensitive to what people say about me and what people say about Aaron Rodgers is he's a surefire hall of famer. One of the most talented people of all time. He's dating Danica Patrick and um, the debate that continually rages about Eli Manning, I guess I'd be more sensitive to that. I guess I, I I wouldn't love being the second best quarterback in my family. I would prefer the whole package, and it reveals about my insecurities um, that I think Aaron Rodgers has as well, that I would take Aaron here because I like the way that the sports media and sports fans value his talent, his athletic accomplishments, and let's be honest, he still could have – Another Super Bowl. Uh, here's, there, what I, here's what I understand, though, Dave, okay? Aaron Rodgers is insecure. Aaron yeah, Rodgers so Aaron Rodgers is known for being maybe not the friendliest guy, known for not having the thickest skin. There are a plethora of examples that you and I both know of him, you know, being very sensitive when people say negative things about him, Eli doesn't seem like that at all. Eli is above that stuff. Eli's like, yeah, I got two Super Bowls, $252 million, awesome wife, awesome kids. Like, I don't care. You say I suck. Who cares? Like, why would you choose to be an insecure person? You just said that on some level you're insecure about your career and whatever, Primarily, by the way, because the the media industry is incredibly flaky and 
because the people making decisions most of the time don't really know what they're doing, if we're being honest, because you are a stud and you're awesome at what you do. And it, no, I'm dead serious. It's really more just about, you know, one guy or gal at every network that's like, no, I don't like that guy for whatever. It, it, it's honestly a joke. I tell everybody, uh, you know, it's why I'm involved in three small businesses. Like I would never be all in on the media just because it's so transient. It's so flaky. I mean, we, you and I could both list 50 examples right now of people that got let go that are excellent and should not have. People that got hired that are terrible and should not have. I mean, it's a joke. It's a very, very subjective industry. It's a total joke. But what I don't understand is why you would choose to, like, I feel like this is like being John Malkovich or whatever, like face off or whatever. Like, why are you choosing to go into the body of an insecure, sensitive person? Why don't you go into the body of someone who's very comfortable with who they are and what they've done and okay. they're, they're above criticism like Eli? I, like, you know what it's like to be insecure. Why are you choosing that? Matt, you may have swayed me. I, I want to hang on to my argument. I want to hang on to the fact that if I were Aaron Rodgers dating Danica Patrick, had hundreds of millions of dollars, a region that worships me, I'm universally valued as one of the most talented guys that ever played the game. No, I still want to be Aaron Rodgers. You almost had me, brother. You almost had me. But I, I, I want to finish up quickly the Hall of Fame debate, which will rage for the next five and probably 10 years. And I have been 100% on the side of Eli Manning being a Hall of Famer until I did a little more homework on the subject because I usually go with just gut reaction here uh, on the accomplishments of someone. And, and I dove a little more into the, the career of Eli Manning. And I have always been 100% he is a Hall of Famer. I'm a no now. And it's really simple. I love the two Super Bowls against the best coach and quarterback in NFL history, two Super Bowl MVPs. But I can't ignore this. It's a stat, and I know maybe stats are overvalued. Eli Manning never had a season leading the NFL in any major passing stat except for interceptions. Let me just reiterate that. In his legendary career, Eli never led the league in any major passing stat except interceptions. He also has never been named to an all-pro team. Roger Goodell had it right yesterday when he said he holds a special place in NFL history, but that doesn't mean he's a Hall of Famer. He's not among the greats that played the game. He was never, sorry Nick Costos, in the top five at his position. He's not a Hall of Famer. Now, I think he gets in, Ross, but I don't think he should. Yeah, and listen, that that's the argument against him, and I think it's fair. And I think on either side, you know what I really don't like? And this is society, Dave. This is not just sports. I don't like people that are like, there's no debate. There's no. He's a Hall of Famer. There's there's no debate. Or the other way, he is clearly not a, like. No, there's a pretty good debate. Like there's a pretty good discussion on both sides. I think you just laid out the argument and a very compelling argument for why he is not one of the greatest players to ever play the game, and not deserving of being in the Hall of Fame over guys that are like. 10-time Pro Bowlers that, like, Tony Baselli only played seven years, but for five of those, he was the best offensive lineman in football, in my mind. Or Alan Fenneca and Steve Hutchinson. I'm just doing O-lineman right now. Those guys yeah. both went to, like, 10 Pro Bowls. Like, they were considered the two best guards in the NFL for, like, their entire careers. They should be in ahead of Eli. I think you're right. But I also think... That never missing a game counts. I think longevity counts. And more than anything, the goal, the stated goal, is to win the Super Bowl. And he is one of the few guys that have done that twice. 
was MVP both times, and both times he beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. That's pretty impressive. And here's what I would say, Dave. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's going to get in. But, like, give me the year. You know what I mean? Like, I'll sit there and I'll be like, no, I'm putting these five guys in. Not this year for Eli. And then the next year, no, I'm putting Breeze in. I'm not putting Eli in. Then the next year, no, I'm putting Brady in and these other guys. Like, I can sit here and say, I think he's a Hall of Famer and I think he'll get in the Hall of Fame. By the way, I don't give a shit either way. I, I really don't. And I don't, like, feel strongly about it. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he'll get into the Hall of Fame. But I think he's one of those guys, Dave, that every year there might be five other guys that get in. And then you're like, okay, well, it's been six years now. It's been seven years. And by the way, with every one of those years he doesn't get in, his numbers are going to look worse. He's not going to be in the top ten in any category because all these guys are going to be passing him. In you know Matt Ryan's and guys like that are going to be passing him in these categories, so you're going to get to the point you're like, okay, he's not top ten in any category. He hasn't gotten in the first seven years he's eligible. Is is now you know 13 years after he retired, his eight year of eligibility is now the year he gets in. I I think he's mm. going to be one of those guys that every year is going to be a battle. Yeah, and in particular because of the guys that you mentioned, some of the guys, the quarterback class themselves, Philip Rivers is already ahead of Eli Manning on passing yards by 2,000. He's got another year, maybe two, to pad that stat. Ben Roethlisberger, a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, will pass him. Matt Ryan will certainly pass him, move him down, as will Aaron Rodgers. He will be out of the top 10 in just about every major statistical category. Matt Stafford will pass him in just about everything as well. So he pushes then out of the top 12. So you measure against the guys he came into the game. It's going to get harder. It's a good point. Um, but Jim Rome, Jim Rome says this debate isn't a debate. It's a definitive 100% yes. Bruce Gradkowski also weighed in, the former NFL quarterback, and a few other uh, sentiments on whether or not Eli is a Hall of Famer. Here, listen. Now we have to spend time debating whether or not Eli Manning is going to be a member of the Hall of Fame. Spoiler alert, he is. I know it's become kind of cool to kill this guy over the years, and that's the way you can show that you're really smart. And yes, I know that Eli Manning has a career 500 record. Right. Joe Namath's record is under 500. What's your point? And if the argument is about rings, he's got two of them and made two legendary plays to get them. Like it or not, Eli Manning is going into the Hall of Fame. Move on to the next topic. But you know, when I think of the Hall of Fame too, though, I think of guys at their position that dominated, yep. that took over the game, that were all pros year in and year out. And I don't think Eli Manning was ever an all pro. You know, so those things come into play as well. Eli Manning or Philip Rivers? As we talk about Eli Manning, I was thinking about Philip Rivers and I'm like, you know, I mean, Eli Manning has two championship rings, you know? I was going to say, Rivers turns the ball over too much. But then I was like, well, so, so does Eli Manning. Yep. <laughs> you know? So, um, I, I mean, I love Rivers. I love the competitor that he is. So I probably would have to say Rivers if I'm going to have to uh, yep. pick a QB. Matt Ryan goes into this season 10th all-time on the passing yardage list. He is at... 51,186 yards. Football's not like baseball where you remember a lot of those individual statistics. You say, how many touchdown passes? I don't remember. Do you remember how many yards Terry Bradshaw took? No. Do you remember how many Super Bowls he won? Oh, yeah, four. Ryan Fitzpatrick. We think about Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's thrown for 33,000 yards in his career. Now, to put that in perspective, that's more yards than Kurt Warner. I think it's going to be hard for Matt to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame without the Super Bowl. LittleRadio.com Red Zone there from around the country. Interesting debate on Eli Manning. Our friends at WEEI actually had a poll, and interesting that he, he had his two Super Bowl wins against the Patriots, against Brady and Belichick, and his two Super Bowl MVPs. And WEEI asked, is he a Hall of Famer? 77% of Boston sports fans said no. I would have thought they would have had some appreciation for what Eli accomplished. But I also asked, who would you rather be? Aaron Rodgers or Eli Manning? And Ross had some interesting input on how Aaron Rodgers is 
Not in touch has some issues with his family. They've been on the outs for years and years. The public disputes with he and his brother. And they got taken to a new level this week with some comments by Aaron Rodgers to his girlfriend, Danica Patrick, the former NASCAR and IndyCar driver, on her podcast. And interestingly, on one hand, you got to give Aaron Rodgers credit for stepping in the uh, hot topic that is religion, but this did not make his family happen. Listen to Rodgers. There's not really a young life for college. It's, it gets into more organized, you know, athletes in action or whatever it might be, campus organizations and I just didn't find any connection points with with those things and started questioning things and had friends who had other beliefs and uh, enjoyed learning. That's kind of a part of my life. had some good friendships along the way that uh, helped me, you know, to figure out what exactly I wanted to believe in. And ultimately it was that uh, rules and regulations and binary systems um, don't really resonate with me. Religion can be a crutch, can be a... Um, can be something that people have to have to make themselves feel better. And because it's set a binary, it's us and them. It's saved and unsaved. It's heaven and hell. I don't know how you can believe in a God who wants to condemn most of the planet, you know, to a fiery hell. Like what type of loving, sensitive, omnipresent, omnipotent being wants to condemn most of his beautiful creation to a fiery hell. Wow. That Aaron Rodgers thoughts on religion on Danica Patrick's podcast there. I don't know how you can believe in a God who wants to condemn most of the planet to a fiery hell. Religion is one of those topics as a professional athlete. I highly recommend you never go near especially having words like that now this has deeply offended his family according to reports look i go to church i don't know a god that wants to condemn most of the planet to a fiery hell how might that uh change the way aaron Rodgers is perceived by his millions of adoring fans ross i think this is fascinating I could talk about this topic for the rest of the show. Um, I have read a bunch of books on religion, believe it or not. Uh, over, In fact, the last books I read, period, were The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith. Uh, mm -hmm. I've always been interested in the subject, very interested in the subject, through high school, college, etc. And I think, in general, Dave, whether it's politics or religion, I think this idea that it should never be discussed is really problematic. It's really flawed. Like, hmm. these are probably the two most important topics, right? You know, like religion, politics. Shouldn't we have discussions about them so that we either are stronger in what we believe or perhaps reconsider what we believe because most people are the same political party as their parents. Most people are the same religion as their parents. What would you guess, Dave, the percentages are? In terms of you are the same religion as your parents? Yeah. I would say it's probably around 75% if I had to guess. I think it's even higher. I really do. And I think political party is the same. And to me, that is the flaw. Because how much of it is your own original thought? And how much of it are you just, oh, that's what my parents told me when I was 6 or 12. And I'm just going to go along with that. That's not right. That is not the way it should be. I wish people were more secure and more confident in what they believe or themselves that they could have these conversations. Like, I don't agree with Aaron Rodgers. And I can tell you right now, I sure as hell would not say that. 
if I was the quarterback of the Midwest Green Bay Packers, <laughs> like right. I sure as hell would not say that. And frankly, this is a problem, Dave, because I don't even talk about politics or religion here or on other media outlets because I don't want to alienate a bunch of the listeners. I don't want to, I don't want, you know, potential fans, listeners, whatever, to be turned off because they don't believe what I believe, right? So I'm not going to dive into the weeds there with what Aaron Rodgers said. I will just say, number one, I wouldn't have said that if I were him, and I won't say it. Number two, I don't really believe that. But number three, I kind of appreciate that he's willing to talk openly about it. And number four, he's actually, like, considered it. You know, right? Like, he's, he's actually thought long and hard about it. And this is how he feels about it. I yes. respect that. I respect I, I that. I do as well. I do as well. I have a lot of respect for the fact that he's willing to have the courage to have that conversation, but it's hard for me to give credit to a guy who is clearly ignorant. And, and I'm sorry, like, I don't have religious conversations with friends in private. I don't have conversations about religion on television nor on the radio because I just find it, I mean, and I'm happy to talk about Donald Trump or politics 24 hours, seven days a week. I'm happy. I'm in that comfort zone. Like, I don't mind that type of division. But religion strikes a different chord with me and with some of the people I know. Um, I just think he's a little bit ignorant in that, yes, he's clearly given it some thought. But if, if I had to guess, it sounds like Aaron Rodgers has been to one church. It sounds like he's looked into one religion. Because, I mean, again, I go to church, every, not every Sunday, but every time I, I can, and there's not a game that I have to get to. And that is not a description of God that fits my church, or I don't think most in this country. I well, think why he's given do you a think thought. He's, why do you think he's mistaken? Why do you think he's mistaken? That perception of God condemning just about everyone on the planet is not is not the vision I have of God, of religion, or the acceptance of people's flaws. I think, hold, hold I mean, second, maybe I'm wrong. Hold on a second, though. Yeah. There, there is a large part of Christianity, correct me if I'm wrong, that believes the only way you go to heaven is if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, correct? Yes. Okay. So then what Rogers is saying is all of the Muslim people in the Middle West, in the, in the Middle East, all of the Hindus in India, everybody in Asia, based, if, if you believe that, right, he's saying that, and there are people that fervently believe that, that you must accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to go to heaven, then all of those people across the globe that haven't accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are going to hell. Like, there are a lot of people that believe that, right? There are a lot Millions. of people. There are a lot of people that believe that. That doesn't mean it's the actual preachings. I mean, read the Bible. The Bible is, is more forgiving than Aaron Rodgers describes it there. And again, when I go to church well, every Bible, Sunday, the Bible is how you interpret it. The Bible, the Bible right. is how you interpret what you read. And, and, there is what, and there is what we're hitting on. Aaron Rodgers interprets it far differently than I do. Aaron Rodgers goes and listens to a pastor that is far different than the one I speak to as well. So, look, it is all in the eye of the beholder, and I do think he deserves credit for discussing this. I just believe that that view of religion is a little bit ignorant. You know— like I said, I've read a bunch about this. Um, I was I was reared Catholic, raised Catholic. I was taught by my sixth grade uh, English teacher that you raise cattle, you rear children. So I was reared Catholic. Um, but like I said, throughout college, certainly even when I was in the NFL, I would read those books. Uh, and I'm not going to get into my faith, um, but... There are a lot of people, a lot of people, a huge swath of Christianity 
that believes that if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are not going to heaven. And clearly the church that Aaron Rodgers went to with his family is one that says that or believes that. And Dave, honestly, I, I think it's a large percentage of Christianity in the United States that believes that. And I never really bought that because what about like people like in some weird island somewhere that have never even heard of Jesus Christ? You know what I mean? Like they never even heard of Christianity or anything like that. So I, I never bought into that. Um, and I don't know where people get that in the Bible. I mean, listen, I, I remember going to Bible study for the Buffalo Bills. And I remember, you know, the team chaplain and some of the guys saying, you know, the Bible says you shouldn't drink alcohol because you should be beyond reproach. And if someone sees you drinking alcohol and it leads them to then drink and maybe they have a problem with it, like, I didn't believe that then. I don't believe that now. <laughs> I was just about to recognize the irony in this entire which, which discussion. By the way, which, by the way, what's amazing about that is, what's amazing about that is that, like, growing up Catholic, like, like what you learn about Catholic people is like, all right, go to church, uh, don't eat meat on Fridays, but drink your face off. Have a bunch of kids, you know what I mean? Like, like it, it really, honestly, maybe we should change this into a into a darn religion show because I think it's amazing. I think oh, it's shit. fascinating. I really, I like. What's more important than that? Like, what what's what's more important than your faith and you know the afterlife and things like that? I think it's fascinating. Kudos to Aaron Rodgers. For saying that publicly, I, I think he is, uh, frankly, a moron for doing that. Um, but this is one example of him not giving a shit or whatever, where that benefits us because it was an interesting topic. It's, uh, I think, a, a viewpoint that a lot of people share. And it's been a great discussion for you and I. I just would never do that. And I'm not even talking nope. on this show ever about what I think politically or what I think from a religious perspective, because I just don't think for either one of those, I just don't think you really change that many people's mind. Like, let me ask you this, Dave, because you're a guy that spent a lot of time in politics, right? Like the Hollywood <clears throat> actor that go on social media and they're like, I love Bernie Sanders or Trump or Hillary, whoever, right? What I've always wondered is, does that, first of all, who gives a shit about what some guy who is hilarious in movies thinks about politics? I sure don't, right? Like, I love your movies, bro. I don't care that you like Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders, whoever, like not even a little bit. Secondly, what I've always wondered is, does it really change anybody's mind? Like, does it really sway? Like I was going to vote for Trump, but after uh, Owen Wilson said he likes Bernie Sanders, now I'm switching because I love Owen Wilson and Zoolander. Like, I mean, you would know more than I would, Dave. I would just say if yeah. there are people that would switch because of an actor or an actress, Let's send them to another country or take away their vote or something. The smartest way to get all the financial implications of contracts in the NFL, the NBA, and all of professional sports is go to Spotrack.com at Spotrack on Twitter until I found out it's Spotrack. Michael Gennetti joins us on the program. Michael, good to have you. It's Ross Tucker and Dave Briggs. Okay, let me just help you out here. Spotrack gives me a feeling that we're talking about sports. Spotrack gives me a feeling like I'm looking for a freaking massage and a facial. Where did we go wrong with the name? Uh, I was a young kid and made some bad decisions in my life, right? <laughs> this is 15 years ago, and it's it's crazy regrettable. I mean, it's the one question I've had to answer, you know, every single time I go on a show, and it's fine. 
Um, look, at 15 years ago, it was the spot for sport contracts. So I was taking words and mashing them together and trying to be cute. And it's a terrible idea. So and look, sport track was taken and it's still taken. So, <laughs> so what what would be better, Michael? Starting over. That's what would be better. But I can't do it. I think sport, I think sport track would be the better one or sports track or just sports contracts dot com. Right. Sports contracts. All right, so here's my question. Yeah. How many people I like I, I've asked this before, but this is your full is this your full time gig now? Yeah, it has been for about six, seven years now. How many uh how many people you got working for you? Just a couple of us. It's not a, it's it's kind of a small little operation. I got my cousin who's my managing partner, Scott, and a couple of database people that help us out. But it's uh you know, we're just a small little organization, but we 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 work our butts off every day to keep this data up. I guess I'm a little curious as to what the most looked at part aspect of it is. For me, I look at career earnings. Like I look at career earnings for guys a lot. Do you get more money from advertising or from the uh, premium subscriptions? Yeah, it's still advertising, which stinks, right? I mean, I, I, I hate to work off the advertising model, but it, um, it's a traffic built site. I mean, we you know we get you know, a decent amount of traffic. So we've got to run the advertisements to make the money right now. Um, obviously, we're trying to fix that and build up our premium tools and partnerships so that we can swing the other direction a little bit more. But for now, we live off the ads and uh, I guess that's that pays the bills. All right. So Ross mentioned career earnings and that's in the news because no one made more money in his NFL career than Eli Manning, more than $250 million and the beauty of it is the Manning brothers combined. If you get on Spot track made more than $500 million combined. Uh, Peyton Manning is second to Eli. I assume that someone will pass Eli as the biggest career earner in the next year or two. Yeah, I would assume if, if Breeze and Brady both come back, they're going to they're gonna jump them because they're only about 17 to $16 million apart. So, um, look, the train's coming. I mean, the you know, the Patrick Mahomes contract is going to be half of what Eli made right away. So, it's it's going to be uh we're going to see some 300 400 million dollar players by the time their careers end it's 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 250 right now is the threshold we're going to see way more than that so michael i don't know if you've done this yet but i just got a great idea for you have you ever tracked just how undervalued brady's been throughout his career and how much money he's actually saved the patriots as opposed to what his value would have been, which is obviously top of the market throughout his career. Yeah, I did this last summer and it was difficult, obviously, because I'm basically basing it off of, you know, new contracts every year. Every time a new quarterback signs, Brady's value goes up. So the number I came up with last offseason was about $80 million he left on the table. <laughs> wow. wow, that is that is an incredible number. Um, how much money is Tom Brady going to get next year? Depends. Uh, I think he's done with discounts, and you can understand that. And I think he's done with one-year yeah. deals. So we're probably talking about a two-year deal. And if we're just looking at the the mountain right now, the top of the mountain is $35 million, So it's a, it's at least going to be two for 70. That That's just, Oof. in my head, that's, no. that's the logic. Um, if it's New England... I bet it's not, right? Because they just won't stand for that. No. If it's if it's the Chargers, I bet it is because they need they know what they need. They know that he's a marketing option as much as a quarterback out there. So to me, if he leaves, it's 70. If he stays, it's probably 60, 65. Uh, let's get into Patrick Mahomes a little bit. <laughs> he is not quite finished his third year. I got to tell you, uh, Michael, I would be ruthless if I were him. And I know he already knows he's going to get his money. But I wouldn't even play in the Super Bowl unless they gave me the money I wanted now. <laughs> he's played three years. Michael, he's played three years. Yeah, he's, he's done. He's now eligible as of the day after the regular season. He's now eligible for a new deal. We've seen other guys. You probably can think of them over the top of your head. But there's a couple other guys his class, Eddie Jackson, is one that have already gotten a new deal. Can you imagine if Mahomes is like, listen, I'm not playing unless I get a new deal for $40 million a year, 
with a hundred or whatever, whatever the highest mount is, fully guaranteed. What are the Chiefs going to do? They're going to give it to him. They're going to give it to him, but I think his agent's in his ear right now, and they know what's coming with this new CBA, and none of us really do, but I think they do, and I think they know that what's coming is a lot more the ability for quarterbacks to make even more right now. I think that's come. I, I have to tell you, most of the quarterbacks are underpaid, and that's crazy, but it's kind of like the NBA right now where you've got you know 15 superstars and because there's a there's a cap on the max in the NBA, they're all underpaid. I mean, LeBron's underpaid, Kevin Durant's underpaid. It's just how it works right now. We're getting to that point with quarterbacks. It's become such an important position, even on the a field of 22, uh, that most of them are underpaid. And I think this new CBA is going to address that some way. I, I think we're talking 38, 40 million from Mahomes, and I think his agent is sitting there saying, "Let's wait this out because there's probably two to three million more a year we can get out of this thing." Once this CBA comes into into effect, you're right, though. He's got all the leverage in the world. Nobody's going to be able to tell him what to do. Um, I just don't know what kind of guy he is. We, we've we been waiting for one of these quarterbacks to be this ruthless leader and, and put his foot down and say, you're going to guarantee me four years. And, and no one's done it. None of these major quarterbacks have done it yet. So I hope he's the guy. All right, now a new Friday feature here on Home and Home, and it doesn't involve booze. We are still drinking on an IPA Friday, Bloody Mary Friday. It's Tweet Thoughts with Mike Leach. You remember Deep Thoughts with Jack Candy, the Saturday Night Live, like, legendary segment where they really got deep, but not so much, kind of more laughable Deep Thoughts. Well, no one has Tweet Thoughts like Mike Leach. If you don't know, the former Texas Tech, former Washington State, now Mississippi head coach, he is a legend on Twitter and at the microphone. Here are some of his greatest hits at the mic. Twitter thoughts with Mike Leach. We failed uh, to make our coaching points and our points more compelling than their fat little girlfriends. Now, their fat little girlfriends have some obvious advantages. You know, this is a really ugly zombie. Wow, pretty attractive for a zombie. We're like one of the most constipated offenses on earth. I mean, it, it, to me, it's always been naive. You know, um, on earth, they say, oh, well, we're the only ones. We're, I mean, really? Why? Have you been to the other planets? What kind of mythical powers does a sun devil have? we got to consider that. You know, you'd have to get one of those Harry Potter activists to read up on how you kill a sun devil. And now all of a sudden they're not tough. You know, they're fat, dumb, and happy and entitled. Tweet thoughts with Mike Leach here every Friday on Home and Home. The man's a legend. I don't want him coaching my program, but I'm so happy he is still in the game today. So let's get to some of his greatest tweets just in the last weeks alone. Ross Tucker, I want you to grade them, and then we'll have a little discussion. First, if you get lost in the woods, start talking about politics, and someone will show up to argue with you. Your tweet thoughts. Ooh, I like that one. That's a good uh, that's a good tweet because he's right. People are ready to drop at a hat and get in political arguments. I like that one. I think that's like a C plus actually. I don't love that for Mike Leach because now I feel more and more people don't want to talk about politics. They don't want to argue politics in this era right now because of the divisiveness. But up next, the best murder weapon would be a Tupperware lid because nobody would ever be able to find it. Your thoughts, your grade. It's funny. I get it. Uh, my wife is very organized and ah. anal retentive. So we are never missing a Tupperware lid. Almost all of my meals are in Tupperware. That's how I eat them. And we don't lose lids, so I'm giving him a C- minus for that one. I am flipping you, bro. This is an A tweet. Maybe not an A+, plus, but definitely an A tweet. We have every day of my life, I am furious at the fucking Tupperware drawer in my kitchen. My wife is pretty organized, pretty neat house. That fucking Tupperware drawer drives me more nuts than anything in my home. I can never find a lid to anything I need and I'm a huge Tupperware guy I hate it, it drives me mad there's no organization and if I open my mouth to criticize I might get a slap nice what, what, tweet what, 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 what is Leech. Tupper? why is it called Tupper? 
Oh shit. I don't know. I don't have a clue why it's Tupper. called Tupperware. We'll Tupper? have to look into that. Some guy right, named one, Tupper invented it. I don't know. <laughs> one more tweet thoughts with Mike Leach. And this is a beauty. I don't know why men go to bars to meet women. Go to Target. The female to male ratio is 10 to 1, and they're already looking for things they don't need. Tucker. So that's funny. Um, but the reality is women at a bar recognize sort of the um, A, they're drinking, and B, the rules of the game, rules of engagement. They know when they go to a bar that everything's open. Whereas if you're at Target, I don't know, man, you'd have to be clever. It's like tough to kind of have a pickup line at Target. It's tough to start that conversation at Target. They didn't go there looking to meet a guy. Now, maybe that's to your advantage. Maybe that's a benefit. I do have a buddy that met his wife at like Home Depot or Lowe's, which I love. That's a hilarious story, actually. But uh, I think in general, it's a tough place to try to pull that off. Hmm. Interesting. I go to Walmart for anything and everything. I could spend two hours in a Walmart. I absolutely love Walmart. I even eat lunch quite often after I'm done shopping. I don't think I'm going there to meet a woman, but the move is pretty simple because you act like the clueless guy that doesn't know how to find anything. And you say, I'm sorry. I know you don't work here, but I'm just clueless. Can you give me a, a good, like at least point me in the right direction of finding X? And generally that lady is going to know where to help you to find it. I just don't think the quality of woman, sorry, Walmart shoppers. I don't think you're going to meet like a hot chick at Twitter at, at Walmart. So I don't know if it's someone you're, you're going to take home or you're going to marry. No, look, I, I love the idea of it. I just don't think the quality of lady you're going to meet at Walmart is one you're going to bring home that night. And hopefully you're not hammered at Walmart. If you are, we've got major problems. The man Shrink Tank is hired to write about psychology's crossover with pop culture and specifically right now with professional sports is Ian Murray. Ian is a licensed professional counselor and author, and we're very fortunate to have him on the program because of this breaking news regarding Antonio Brown. Thanks for joining us, Ian. This was, to me, for many weeks, kind of a laughing matter. Like, ah, look what Antonio Brown's up to on social media, getting dismissed because, you know, the frozen feet with the Raiders and the stupid things. It's no longer a laughing matter, is it? What do you make of this latest breaking news? A.B., again, anti-suicide smock, as he makes a court appearance, ordered to undergo a mental health evaluation. At what point did you think this was no longer a laughing matter? Hey, good morning, guys. So first of all, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, so I think when it really started to take a turn for me was when he was actually with the Raiders. So when you look at the way that he exploded um, at the GM after they rescinded his contract and made it just on a week-to-week -week basis, the way he responded, the way he acted to get out of his contract was very impulsive and he acted very quickly. And so I think for me, that's when I was like, okay, there's something else going on here. You know, there was some trails and bits and pieces in his relationship with um, Big Ben, the way he's responded to Juju Smith-Schuster. So there's been little crumbs along the way, but I think his departure from the Raiders really started to give me the signal of like, okay, there's something going on here. It's more than maybe just diva behavior. Um, this is something that he's really struggling with. That is my question in general, Ian, whether we're talking about Antonio Brown or Aaron Hernandez. I'm watching that documentary right now with yep. my wife. Uh, Dave recommended it. When, when do we go from this guy's an idiot, this guy's a bad person to this guy has a mental health issue? Like, I, I don't understand... Because when they start doing, oh, he's a bad guy, or, yeah. oh, he's an idiot. But then there's a point where you're like, oh, man, this guy's got mental health issues. H how do you know when you break that threshold and when we should talk about it differently on the airwaves? Yeah. 
No, I, I, that's a great question because I think that's where we often um, have difficulty, like like you're saying, finding the answer. So for me, I'll offer you a couple different things. Um, first is the persistence and the amount of time that it happens in the disruptions in a person's life. So when people come into my office, you know, they may come in and say, you know, I'm feeling really sad. Okay, well, how long has it been going on? Eh, a couple of days, but I usually bounce back and get over it. Okay, so there might not be a whole lot going on. That's kind of the normal flux of human emotion. Um, so when you're talking about, you know, is this guy just a jerk or what's going on? Is it something that's disruptive? Is it perpetual? And what is like, what is causing that person to be this way? So if we take it a step further, like we all develop adaptive behaviors to our environment at different times in our life. And as we grow up and we change scenes and we change diff to different areas, those behaviors are no longer adaptable, right? So if I had to act out as a kid to get attention, but now as an adult, I get a lot of attention. I don't need to act out, but those behaviors still keep coming up. That can be a sign that, hey, there's something else going on. Um, but unfortunately there's no like, like specific, perfect criteria way of saying, Hey man, this person is mentally ill or this person is not because we all, to some extent have things in our life that, you know, could be deemed as not necessarily mental illness, but you know, mental distress or difficulties that impact our life. So I know that's not, you know, a super direct answer to your question, but I think it differs for each person. And I think the most important thing is the way that we approach that topic in conversation. Talking to our good friend Ian Murray, licensed professional counselor and author um, from Shrink Tank. And I want to zero in on Antonio Brown and where exactly yeah. it went wrong. And you write that uh, the continued self-destructive behaviors indicate that he may be struggling far more than we anticipated. To me, it was that moment filming and live streaming an incident with the police in front of his children, what did that moment say to you is wrong or potentially wrong with AB? Yeah. I think that the interesting thing to me about that was I was expecting when that video came out um, to be a bystander video, right? To be like TMZ or somebody yes. coming in and filming it and then posting it. But then I looked and it was something that he was live streaming on his own, voluntarily giving up this, this moment to people. And the most fascinating thing about that video to me is his view as the victim, right? So we can all sit there and look at the video and be like, he's cursing, he's yelling, he's really belligerent and not making much sense at times. He's not able to be reasoned with, but in his view, he's the victim. And that's the part that really struck me is like, okay, if, if he doesn't see himself as a victim, he probably doesn't think that he has a problem. And that was really concerning to me. Because it's one thing if somebody knows or has an inkling and they're, you know, trying to seek help. But if somebody doesn't even realize how their actions or behaviors are impacting others or being perceived, that's really concerning. And so for me, you know, we um, his kids were there. You know, it was just so uncomfortable to watch. Um, and so that was really concerning. It's just lack of awareness and his willingness to share that, but identifying himself in the wrong. And I don't know the ins and outs of the situation, so I don't want to say that, you know, that there was nothing going on that, you know, he didn't have a right to be upset, but the, the lack of awareness really struck me. Ian, what typically triggers mental health issues? Is it like a, a chemical imbalance or is it a response to fame or stress or anxiety? Like what is yeah. the thing that triggers this stuff? Yeah. So it's the answer to that is yes, it could be just about anything. So it could be her, um, heritability, something that's passed down through generations that happens a lot with, um, substance abuse. Um, it could be the environment. Um, it could be added stressors. It could be fame, um, it could be isolated moments, the death of a parent, you know, things that people go through in natural courses of life that given the right circumstances can really bring out, um, you know, the symptoms of mental health in anybody. Now, some, some mental illnesses, you know, have more heritability and they're longer term, but, you know, anyone can experience anxiety, depression from really things that we go through normally, a car accident, you know, a death of a loved one. And so there's so many factors that go into um, a person 
who's developed some sort of you know, mental health concern. Um, and I think, you know, Aaron Hernandez is the perfect example, right? Like there are so many things that happened in his early childhood that pointed us in the direction that he might be going, you know, from from witnessing um, domestic violence in the home, from being sexually abused, from, you know, having his father, you know, he's an alcoholic. There's research that shows that kids who are exposed to increased levels of stress um, have diff- can have difficulty later in life because they're in, a, in an elevated level of stress. And so they may not develop um, skills to have conversations, right? They're in fight or flight mode where they're just mm. trying to survive. And so all of these things can play into um, someone's mental health. And it doesn't just have to be in childhood, right? I know, you know, for a long time we yeah. felt that it had to, but that's not true. There's anything can happen. You know, I often tell clients that um, that feel like, oh, well, there, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. And it's like, you know, I'm one or two bad things happening from being from it being flipped. So there's so many factors that go into it that we've got to be aware of. And we're talking to Ian Murray, licensed professional counselor and author on psychological mental health issues, pop culture and sports at Shrink Tank. But there's one aspect we haven't talked about, and that's the presence or potential presence in the case of Antonio Brown of CTE. Mm -hmm. We do know that Aaron Hernandez, that was certainly a factor. And you wrote that much of the narrative is dismissive depicting the possible impact of Aaron's upbringing. How does CTE factor in to the mental health of Aaron Hernandez and perhaps of Antonio Brown as well Mm -hmm. with the caveat that we have no idea if AB has CTE, it does feel like that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in the Aaron Hernandez documentary, um, they talk about how CTE can have an impact on the frontal lobes of our brain. And, those are primarily responsible for organization, decision-making, emotion regulation, right? All of the things that we see oftentimes, you know, through Aaron Hernandez, right, with his behaviors reactionary in nature. Um, Antonio Brown, the same, you know, lack of impulse control, very reactionary. Those big, strong emotions that just seem to take him over that he's not able to control. If those parts of our brain are damaged, it can really affect our ability to function and essentially um, control some of those things. So it's really important that when we also look at trauma in Aaron Hernandez's case and even Antonio Brown, you know, there's reports again that he grew up homeless, um, you know, at 16. And trauma can have some similar effects to the frontal lobes of the brain um, that CTE can. So if we look at those in the larger context and when both of those come together, it can be really devastating. So it's really about the amount of, because our brain doesn't need a, a large amount of impact or trauma to do some damage. So that repetition just continues to deteriorate those really vital parts of the brain. Manning, back to throw. Sets, looks over the middle. Force makes the catch on the run. Still on his feet across the field. To the 40, to the 35, and knocked down at the 34-yard line. Kevin Voss. February 3rd, 2008, a date Giants fans will never forget. They beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. That was Kevin Boss, a 45-yard catch in that game, one of the key plays to the game. We're talking about the retirement of Eli Manning today, who walks away from the game this afternoon. Tears will be shed by him and all Giants fans in New York and across the country. It's a Friday home and home. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs, joined by Ross Tucker. And this morning, Kevin Boss, who caught that pass from Eli Manning in one of the most legendary Super Bowl victories of all time. Here is what Eli said about Kevin Boss when he left the Giants and free agency. Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, Kevin, Kevin is one of my, my good pals and a good friend and uh, you know, a, a great player for us. Uh, you know, it was great in the in the red zones. You know, caught a lot of touchdowns. Had a great feel of the offense, knowing you know what to do. Uh, you know, with the plays, just knowing the ins and outs, the feel of the game. So, uh, you know, definitely, definitely, uh, you know, disappointed about that. But I understand. Uh, you know, I know he, he wanted to come back here, but uh, sometimes other things come into come into factor. And- 
All right, so forget about the stats, though we did catch 18 touchdowns with the Giants over four seasons. He's a good friend and pal of Eli Manning. Kevin Boss joins us on the program. Kevin, good to have you. It's Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. How do you remember Eli Manning as the player or as the man, as the prankster? <laughs> uh, all three, I guess. Yeah, he, uh, man, he just, he was a consummate pro, and I think that's something that, um, uh, you know, I've been kind of reflecting over the past 24 hours about just his career and some of the things that really stood out to me the most. And, you know, when I think, um, obviously, the statistics and the Super Bowl wins and, and all that, you know, speaks very loudly for itself. But, um, you know, when I really think about the things that personally stick out to me is just what an incredible teammate he was um, from, you know, from day one when I arrived. So, you know, now, however many years later that, you know, he's, he's still, a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to call him a friend and, and a former teammate. And that's something that really stands out to me. But the other ones are just like, especially how everything kind of transpired over the last couple of years. I think that um, it really proved to everybody just how beloved and adored he was amongst Giants fans. Um, and I think, like I said, just with everything that went down with the whole saga of him not starting that game and just the outpouring of support that he got um, from Giants fans, but then also just how well-respected he is and, and will always be uh, kind of across the league through players and, uh, through, from, from players and coaches alike. And I think, I think that's something that really, um, when I reflect, is just kind of really stood out to me the last, uh, like I said, 24 hours that I've been kind of thinking about him. Kevin, always good to talk with you, buddy. It's Ross Tucker, and I guess my question, the first one I have, I've heard stories, but I've never actually hung out with him socially. What is, uh, what's Eli's personality really like? Yeah, first off, Ross, good to hear from you again, man. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, I mean, I think, you know, it, it's, it's a pretty uh, collective, uh, you know, when you hear other people and other teammates um, other friends, you know, talk about Eli. And it's, it's always kind of that common theme of just, just a good, down to earth, humble dude, the type of guy that you would want to go out and have a beer with, you know. And, and uh, he's just the, the type of guy you you want to have as a friend. Um, he's, you know, <laughs> you know, you're going to have a good time with him. You know, he's going to make you laugh. Um, but you also know he's he's going to be in your corner and he's going to support you and. Um, and those are the types of friends and those are the types of people that you want to, you know, be around and, and kind of surround yourself with. And, you know, as, as we get older and our friend circle kind of shrinks, you know, there's, there's certain people that you, you stay in touch with and you make an effort to stay in touch with. And, um, you know, Eli and his family are, are one of those families that, you know, we want to, we want to stay in touch with just because the type of people they are and, and uh, the good time that you have with them. Talking to Kevin Boss, played four seasons with Eli Manning, got 18 touchdowns with the Giants, won a Super Bowl with them. Uh, not just go out and have a beer. One of my favorite moments in the career of Eli Manning was going out and seeing him playing flip cup after a Giants win. That forever made me a fan <laughs> of Eli Manning. But seriously, does the is he or is he not a Hall of Famer discussion and debate bother you? And do you think he is a Hall of Famer? Do you think he's an all-time great at the position? Yeah, I, I absolutely think he is. I, I, without a question, I think, um, you know, his just the two Super Bowl victories alone, beating Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and, and that machine that, that was, um, I think that puts him in Canton just, just uh, with those two Super Bowl victories. But then, you know, you add in things like the 234 consecutive starts without missing a game. Um, and just you know, doing it in New York, and um, just the just the legendary kind of family, and I, yeah, I just think he's got so many things working for him uh, to get him into the Hall of Fame, and I, I think it's a slam dunk. Kevin, I'm curious as a guy that's been retired for a few years now, what what have the last couple years been like? watching Eli play and and not play particularly well, as well as seeing all the criticism that he's gotten mm -hmm. the last couple of years. What's been like that? What's that been like to you as a former teammate and friend? Um, yeah, it's been hard. You know, I, um, 
I root really hard for him. Uh, my my whole family roots really hard for him. You know, having two young boys uh, and and a uh, four year old daughter, um, we all root for, hard for him. You know, I was um, laughing. My my four year old daughter wanted to wear her Eli uh, jersey to school yesterday, so I thought that was that was pretty awesome and just kind of speaks volumes about the type of person he is. And, um, but yeah, it was, um, you know, that, that opportunity that he got to start against Philly, uh, late this season, I, I don't think I've ever wanted someone to do so well in a game. You know, I, I was, uh, that first half was like, this is unbelievable. And you know, obviously it didn't last into the second half, but, um, you know, like you said, he did receive a lot of criticism, but, I think he also, like I alluded to earlier, he also kind of gave him a chance to, you know, kind of the fans an opportunity and players and just to, to see the outpouring of support that he receives during that time. You know, just I remember when he got benched for Geno Smith, you know, um, that whatever that was last year. And uh, just like the players that were sending out all the tweets and support of Eli and stuff. And I just... You know, I, I sent Eli a text, and I know he doesn't look at that stuff, but I was just like, you ought to be proud of the, the you know, the, the support that is you're being shown right now from from players across the league that have never even played with you or know you, and, and so I think that was, um, you know, pretty neat to to look back and reflect on that. Talking to Kevin Boss, Super Bowl champ with the Giants, four touchdowns, four seasons, 18 touchdowns with Eli Manning. I got to hear a prank story. One of my favorite things about reading about Eli is all the pranks he pulled that we never got to hear about in the media or as fans. Can you give me one good story that would give our listeners a glimpse at Eli the prankster? Yeah. Um, let's see. What would be my, my all-time favorite? Um a classic Eli move was um, during training camp just to kind of break up the monotony um, kind of during like downtime of like special teams or something when we're kind of on the sideline there, he would, uh, he'd pick a rookie, he'd seek out a rookie and he'd usually grab like Richie Soybert or Chris Nee, one of the offensive linemen. And he'd go up to an offensive lineman or like usually uh, a rookie offensive lineman and He'd uh, hey uh, just kind of strike up a conversation with him. Hey, have you got any molars taken out yet? You know, it might might have kind of bothering me, and um, just kind of get the guy engaged. And, and then he'd he'd ask to you know. Meanwhile, Richie Soybert's got a handful of of grass, and uh, he'd ask to look inside and, and see the kids' molars. And Richie would stuff a, a handful of grass in the, in the poor kid's mouth. So <laughs> that was uh, I saw that done a dozen times or so, and never failed to have the uh you know the whole offensive line bent over laughing so that was that was one of my all-time favorites a little one but just always always worked and always funny last one for me kev is actually about you i think our listeners our viewers would be curious i know i always am to know like what Mm -hmm. uh, a former player that had the success you did you know where you're living what you're doing now how you occupy your time how your body feels all that stuff yeah, um, so I'm in uh, I'm in Bend, Oregon. Um, you know, I was born and raised in Oregon, but grew up on kind of the other side of the mountain range. Chose Bend just because it's, uh, it's a kind of a mountain town with more sunshine and got all four seasons. And, um, but anyways, yeah, we, uh, my wife and I, are raising our four kids here. We got two boys, two girls. Our, our spread is seven five four one. Um, and so we're, we're pretty busy doing that. And then I also, um, about five years ago, opened up a sports performance facility here where, um, you know, I own and operate that and have, you know, working with a bunch of, uh, athletes from, you know, middle school kids all the way up to a handful of NFL guys. I have the opportunity to work with, um, you know, some local kids that have made it pro the Hollister brothers, you know, Jacob Hollister was, uh, the Seahawks starting tight end this year and um, yeah just been that's kind of been um, you know my big kind of purpose after football you know I think we all are looking for that purpose after football and, and this is that's been mine just owning owning the gym and, and doing that and you know I tell people all the time that um, you know football was great and everything but I really feel like this is my true calling to do what I'm doing now. And, and the NFL just kind of 
gave me a bigger platform to do this on a bigger stage and to be able to reach and touch more lives through through what we're doing with uh, with the, with the gym. Hey everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.